0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Teacher Talk Tuesday. As always, I'm your host for today's podcast, Dr. Johnny Cruz-Craig, and I am the National Project Director for the DTEC TAG program. This podcast serves to encourage teachers to express their educational experiences, research, and advocacy work as we use this platform to inform, inspire, and develop communities of support. We start to look forward to the conversations that allow this exchange of ideas to happen. We're excited to announce we're on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. On this episode, we are sitting down with Dr. Candace Boyd Wyatt, a full-time professor in the School of Business at American Public University, with research interests include project management, supply chain management, meteorology, the climate, and public administration. So as you can already hear, we have a variety of gifts and talents and skills that we'll learn as we speak to Dr. Wyatt on today. Hi, Dr. Wyatt. Hi, Dr. Craig. Thank you so much for having me
1: on today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you.
0: You're welcome. I'm excited to have you on this podcast and to learn from you today as well. So since you work in higher education, how do you feel that the K-12 system, as it stands today, prepares students for college?
1: So I am a full-time professor in an online university, which is 100% online. And so we are usually the next step in higher education after individuals graduate. So as it stands right now, I think our k 12 system is improving and yet we still have challenges and we still have um, room for improvement. Um, So how are they preparing students for college? I think the reality is, is that we still have a lot of college students that are in a low socioeconomic status So the traditional brick and mortar university is no longer working for them. Many of them have to work a full-time job so they're not able to go to the traditional type of university. So we're seeing more and more of the low socioeconomic students um, enrolling in my university. What we're also seeing is that some of them still lack the basic skills And when I say basic, I'm saying reading, writing, arithmetic, um, and just social skills, which a lot of people think in the online environment you don't need. So there's still room for improvement to not only prepare students for that next step after 12th grade, but should they decide to venture into college to help them understand the realities of both a brick and mortar institution as well as an online institution. So that's interesting. I heard quite a bit in that answer. And the
0: one thing that, well, actually a couple things that stood out to me was the the, the socioeconomic status. You talked about that and how that is uh, one of the driving forces for students on the online academies because they have to work the full-time jobs. And, you know, that's just, that's, that is a reality.
1: Mm-hmm. That
0: is a reality. And then you talked about the lack of basic skills. And you know, I guess that sort of saddens me all the more too, because I think about you know even brick and mortar schools, in regular schools, where we have some of these same issues um, in our communities. Um, looking at those lack of skills with the reading, the writing, and the arithmetic. Um, and then you brought out social skills. That's really important too. And as we're in this evolution period here, right? Um, everything is going distance learning. Everything's virtual and you said people lack some of those skills. So how do you think, and this is, I, I know this is, a, this is just a ad lib, I guess. What are your thoughts around um, the students that lack those social skills? Um, how, how can we, is there a way to support them? How have you supported them in the past for the if they were taking online courses with you? If you notice that they lack those social skills, what kind of things did you do to assist them? Because I think that may help our audience in this time of distance learning. Now,
1: great point. So we have to remember that all colleges and universities are businesses. <laughs> so it's rare that you're going to see a business turn away someone who can pay to, you know, participate or attend at that university. So what we're seeing across both this is brick and mortar and also online universities is what we call 13th grade. So in other words, the student may not necessarily be ready for college coursework, but they may need a refresher in some areas like reading and writing and arithmetic, you know, just to be very generic. So you have brick and mortar institutions and also online universities having these flagship type activities where the student may have to spend up to an additional year in these pre-required courses before they can actually stay, start taking the actual required courses for their um, curriculum. This is both good and bad. It is good because it's preparing them for what they're going to experience um, in the university. Of the but the challenge is many of these students who are of low socioeconomic status are using grants, pale grants, loans, um, and maybe scholarships in some way, shape, or form to pay for their education. So now the average student who might be able to graduate in four years, it may take them five or six years. Mm -hmm. So systemically, this can cause a challenge because you're now having students of low socioeconomic status now leaving the college university system with more debt. Mm -hmm. So there should be some type of way that the K-12 system provides them with these tools because that's taxpayer dollars. It would lessen the burden on them financially, and then it would also expose them to the realities of either a brick and mortar institution or an online institution in advance so that they can make an educated decision as to what's the best option for them, um, both economically and also educationally.
0: Yeah, again, that was loaded. That was loaded. (laughs) It was loaded, but it was real, and it's really the reality. Mm So when you think about it, you said that 13th grade, I've been hearing that language for some years now, right? That 13th grade, and it's really 13th grade in college. And you really, you correlated it, you aligned it, you made sense of it. Like, you know, these schools are businesses.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: they, you know, it's, it's money is involved and all the honest of it really is falling on the student who don't understand the, the financial piece of it in the beginning, right? So as they're leaving this K-12 and going to this quote unquote 13th grade, they don't understand that they're going into a place now where they're collecting debt. Mm-hmm, um, it is now out of the public school system if they were in public and now you're paying for this education
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in some way,
0: shape, form. That, so that's really good. I thank you for bringing that point up. So mm-hmm. now the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic has forced school districts and universities all across the country to push learning online in an effort to implement social distancing. I like to say physical distancing because we don't need to be socially distanced, especially in our culture, and stop the spread of the virus. So totally understand the physical distancing. As a mother of a young school children, actually two school children and working adult, how
1: do you balance the demands? Um, so I think this is where prayer comes in. <laughs> I, I literally take it day by day. Um, I, I, I've, I've said to this so many times that this is teacher appreciation and the experience has helped me understand what teachers have to, you know, uh, do to endure, to ch- just to challenge their students and to help them succeed. So I've told everyone that I've gone from one job to three jobs. I have an eight year- old and a four- year old at home, so I'm now homeschooling two kids in addition to working a full-time job. And so I, I think the realities of that sometimes uh, it makes it a bit a little bit challenging, but what I've found is asking for help. <laughs> um, and so you know, I'll just give you a, a quick a, example. Um, my mother lives in Chicago, Illinois. And there are times where I need to be on a conference call. I need to be, uh, have total silence, be uninterrupted for up to an hour at a time. Well, that's the time when my kids have uh, grandma time, where literally, you know, they'll be FaceTiming her, they'll be speaking to her. She'll keep them engaged, she'll read them a story. It is the best <laughs> one hour <laughs> or 60 minutes um, of my day. Um, on the flip side of that, I, um, understand the realities of being a mom and I communicate that to people when I am participating in meetings. I have no problem saying, hey, I've got two kids, I'm gonna mute myself because of the background noise and I may have to step away for a couple of minutes uh, because you know, I'm, I'm you know, dealing with childcare issues. And for the most part, my colleagues and the people that I've been working with have been understanding because they're going through it in some way, shape or form. Um, so COVID-19 is not only affecting us in terms of the education system, but as we all know, it's a health crisis. And so especially in the African-American community, many of us are in an environment where you have multi-generations in the same household. So again, both good and bad from the health-related perspective of COVID-19, it might be challenging to have young kids uh, People of middle age and maybe people who you consider elderly all under the same roof because it may expose them to, you know, the hazards of of this virus. But on the flip side of that, educationally, you might have a way of teaching kids in a totally different environment. For example, my son is very hands on. So going outside, digging in the dirt, planting, you know, planting a, a, a A new bush or something like that. It could teach him Some of the skills that he's reading about on a daily basis. Um, One of his most recent uh, activities was architecture. And he had to go out and measure, you know, how many windows do you have and how large are they? And then how far are they spaced apart? And he had to make, he had to estimate this information. Well, that's taking something tangible and making it real. And I think for a lot of our students, that can help. So I think even in this COVID-19 environment, there are opportunities for us to help our students learn, to help them learn in different ways, and to just understand that different students learn at different paces, different capacities, and take that time to celebrate that and and come up with a targeted plan for each and every student. That's really
0: good. I like how you you shared some of the strategy of being able to balance like mom and work and the your children being engaged you use grandma time i love that mm-hmm. grandma time everybody grandma time that means grandma in the game you say she like do facetime and mm-hmm. she may do reading or she just keeps them engaging that hour time i think that's special and i'm sure they look forward to that time with grandma and she probably looks forward to it that time with them as well. Yeah. So I really love that. And then you said, you simply tell people, listen, I am a mother. I'm going to go on mute. I may have to step away. And for the most part, they understand. So I think that those are two applicable things that the audience can walk away with, right? Um, to help them even balance. If they have some type of way to have grandma time or grandpa time, or, you know, it maybe it's somebody else's time, but somebody can Somebody can walk with them through this and provide support when they need support. I think that was, that's really good to be able to reach out to our families and our friends to help each other in this time um, of un- things that we you know, didn't even realize we were going to go into. One thing, too, you said is you um, take your son out because you know he's hands on. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. The fact that you understand that your son is a hands-on learner, he's a kinesthetic learner, and you have to plan those activities is first, number one, amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot of parents that may not understand learning styles. Mm -hmm. They may not understand how their children learn, and now they're at home being this teacher, and they don't understand visual learning, kinesthetic learning, spatial learning. They don't understand multiple intelligences. So my question prior to COVID nineteen, with your son and your and your um and your daughter who are both you're, you're teaching now, were you were involved before COVID nineteen. So was that 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 shift after COVID nineteen? It probably wasn't as difficult for you. But what can you give to parents listening in regards to them getting to know their students and how their they're, I said their students. You hear me? Their children. And how they learn. Like, what kind of tips can you give to parents in this moment? This is a parent moment
1: to to, well, to learn their children. Yeah. So I would say before COVID nineteen, I was extremely uh, organized. Uh, we did everything in my house according to routine and schedules. Um, I. I had a, a, you know, a job where I had to work, you know, let's say 8 to 4.30. So they were up at the crack of dawn, get them ready, get them to any type of, you know, pre preschool activity. Um, I don't mean preschool, but before school activity, I would work, I would pick them up, I would bring them home. You know, so now in this COVID-19 environment, I listen more to my kids. And believe it or not, I'm a morning person. I've been hardwired since I've been born, but my kids are not. (laughs) So I think one of the most crucial eye openers is find the time that they have the best energy to learn. And so for my kids, believe it or not, it's between like three and 6 p.m. So we get most of our work done between three and 6 p.m. and mommy has adjusted, so she does most of her work in the early morning. So, you know, it's okay for kids to sleep in, or at least in our in our world, it's okay for kids to to sleep in. It's okay for them to take frequent breaks. So now, you know, school used to be what? Um, eight, to, eight to three, eight to four, maybe in some cases, we may work on something for 20 minutes and then we go and do something else, or we go and eat, or we go for a walk in the middle of the day. These are things that probably I never would have fathomed, you know, in, in the traditional, classroom environment, because everyone has to sit down at the same time. You have to learn at the same time. You have to test at the same time. And now what I'm learning is to let my kids lead the educational environment. So when they're ready to learn, we take that time. If they're really engaged in something, we spend more time on it. You know, I might use the internet to find additional resources that pique their interest. Um, So, for example, my son had a a science uh, lesson that was talking about, you know, different animals at the zoo. I was able to find one of our um, state zoos that has a daily feeding at a certain time. So, we changed our schedule or modified it so that he could watch that daily feeding and he was totally excited about it. He started looking forward to that that activity. And even when mom tried to change to the next lesson in science, she still wanted to participate and engage in that manner. So that's what I would advise for the parents who are listening is that it is okay to be flexible. It's okay to take a day off. You know, it's okay when it's raining, to just you know shift and say, what can we do in this new environment that we're still learning, but that, you know, sometimes kids need a break, just like parents need a break. So I think having that flexibility, that understanding that your child has their own way of learning, for me, that was the game changer.
0: Yeah, that's good. And a really profound statement you made. You said, let your kids lead their educational experience. Mm -hmm. I think that is so much wisdom. When you tap into the children, your children, and you know them, let them lead. You said be flexible. So, I think that's really good um, and really good advice, sound advice for parents in this day. So, now we talked about socioeconomic earlier in regards to that 13th grade. So, we have varying socioeconomic levels um, that gravely limit students' access to technology. <clears throat> How do you believe schools can advocate for additional resources for its students?
1: before COVID-19 there was a push to make sure that every student had their own device. Um, so by device that could be an iPad, it could be a laptop, but the point was that every student needs their own device because the reality is we are moving into a more technical environment and every student regardless of your major, your passion, or what you're choosing to do the online environment is going to be some part of that job it could be just like you and me just having a conversation it could be you tran you know transferring funds for for an invoice it could be you giving a presentation to you know hundreds of people on on your research regardless the point is the internet is the way of the future so what I would suggest for for schools is how can you make sure that every student one has their own device in their hand. Let's go back to low socioeconomic status. I read an article and I'm sorry, I, I don't remember the, um, the author, but they were saying that in low socio economic areas. Many times it's the cell phone that those households have to communicate via the Internet. In other words, there's not an iPad there's not a tablet. There's not a laptop that parent has a cell phone so imagine trying to do your homework online (laughs) using a cell phone that probably mom and dad may need and heaven forbid they're out of the house during the day because we still have a large part of our population that still has to go to work so then you no longer have the one internet related device that would help you learn So first and foremost, I feel that every student needs their own device and I would encourage the educational system to advocate for that. Secondly is the internet. I can tell you as a parent, I'm on the internet. My kids have devices that are on the internet. I mean, sometimes I literally have to go and find the device and turn it off to ensure that I have the capacity that I need for, for my work related activities. And I can only imagine how, again, as I said, some of these households who have multiple people in them, are able to use the internet um, efficiently and accurately to, to get the job done. And then let's even take it a step further. There are some households who don't have internet access. And so I think having a broad plan where every household has the same high speed connectivity and internet access can be a game changer for the educational environment. Everyone needs a laptop, everyone needs internet access, and everyone needs access to their, their educational resources.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And we have such a gap. That digital divide is a real thing. And it's like, you know, it, it, the gap is, is large, and it's actually increasing right now because of where we are with COVID-19. You brought up many good points about that bandwidth. Mm-hmm. You know, you said sometimes you have to go find that device and turn that Wi-Fi off so that you can have the bandwidth you need. And that's just real. And that's one issue you have in your home. But then again, when we flip that reality, you got back, you go back to that home you talked about that has mm-hmm. maybe just that cell phone, that making tap onto the Internet here and there. And think about that. Most often, as you said, you may have in that same home four, five children. Mm-hmm. Think about it. One cell phone. Four or five children and everybody is having to do quote unquote distance learning so i know that that's a burden and probably a stressor for many homes right now so yeah the one-on-one would be great as well as the bandwidth to, to carry all of these devices so that the students can continue learning so the next um it says because you've been teaching online for some time you probably are quite comfortable and familiar with distance learning For teachers who are getting acclimated to connecting with their students through the computer screen, what advice would you give to them to keep their students engaged in the content?
1: Okay, that's a great question. So one of the things I've learned is ask open questions. So especially when you're dealing with youth, yes, no questions will get you a yes, no answer. So one of the ways to engage them is to ask open-ended questions and look for things that connect you. And so many times people will say, oh, I'm a teacher. I'm fill-in-the-blank age. And maybe I'm teaching kids that maybe are, you know, in, in the single digits. Some people might say, oh, there's generational issues. Well, I really feel that in this world, there are all different ways to connect us. You could ask them about the weather. You could ask them what they ate for dinner last night. Um, we're all changing to this binge-watching reality you can talk about a, a t show or a cartoon so finding ways to connect with your students and asking open-ended questions i think would really help with the engagement in the classroom the other thing is to think about how many times you want them to engage with you in the course of a week or seven days so the number of questions you ask the type of questions you ask will often make them want to come back into that classroom environment and respond and engage So for example, if you really want students to engage with you five days a week on your end, that is gonna take a little more creativity and a little more engagement, not only to ask the right questions, but to make sure that you're following up with feedback. I can tell you as an online professor, I think that's one of the comments that I've received. It sounds simple, but many students would compliment me because I responded to one of their posts. In other words, in the online environment, there might be a requirement for you to post two, three times a week, but that's not a requirement for the instructor to respond to what you're saying. so sometimes just think about you know just saying something and no one responds. you know it just goes out into the atmosphere. How would that make you feel so again, for these teachers, you know I, when you think about engagement, it's having a conversation, and just like now, a conversation is back and forth. Are you listening? Are you reading? Are you finding something that you're connecting with? Is something resonating with you? And are you comfortable um, communicating that? That, hey, this was a really good thing that you, you said. Hey, let's talk about this a little more. Hey, here's a link to a video that talks about something that you just said and I, I took the time to, to look, look at it. I think those are the type of ways that we can engage the student more in the classroom so that they can see that there's a tangible, real-life person on the other end.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I like the way you broke that down. That was really, really good um, because it's really all about engagement. And, and, you know, you put yourself in the, you did, as you said, uh, with the student. I, I answered them. I, I responded to their posts. I took the time to go find a link or something to share with them about what they said. And that's sometimes all it takes. You then made that heart to heart connection. You know what, Dr. Dr. Wyatt really is paying attention. Okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this because she's looking at what I'm doing. So I think that's really good. And um, you said oh ask open end questions uh, instead of that multiple choice that like you want your It gives them the opportunity to use their creativity to construct answers, to construct responses back to you instead of simply picking us A, B, C, D or true false type thing. Mm -hmm. I think those are all very, very, very effective strategies that the teachers that are listening here, the parents that are listening here, the audience overall can take and see how to even engage people. Mm -hmm. it's, It's further than just students. What you just shared is really wisdom to engage a human, being <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah that was really good i appreciate you sharing that
1: mm-hmm. now
0: you wrote about how educational institutions can incorporate artificial intelligence mm-hmm. in learning in classroom settings do you think this kind of technology can and will be scaled for use in k-12 classrooms once students are allowed to return to school
1: um, absolutely i i truly believe that online learning is the way of the future and also one of the challenges we had in the public school system is finding qualified teachers. Um, I- I'll tell you again um, I know of schools where the music teacher was moved to the science class because the science teacher went on maternity leave and they couldn't find an adequate substitute teacher. So now you have someone who might have education in one area being totally transformed and forced to teach and engage and help people excel in another area I think that's a disservice. Uh, So now that we're in the online environment, we have to think of ways to combat that. And that's where artificial intelligence comes in. It could be as easy as you log in and maybe there's four questions for you to answer before you get to the actual classroom environment every day. Something that jogs your memory, something from the previous couple of days, just to make sure that you're actually retaining the information that was provided before. Um, Another easy way for artificial intelligence is to grade quizzes or to grade tests. You know, think about the the traditional teacher who has to grade 20 or 30 sets of, you know, papers every week and that's only in one of her subjects or one of his subjects. You know, that can be extremely taxing and I'm going to call it a teacher bot, but that's where teachbot teacher bot can come into the to the, the uh, to a picture and can assist that teacher. Um, so, in some cases in the online environment, you don't have a classroom of 10 or 15. You may have a classroom of 50 or 60. And so again, you want to make sure that the teacher can focus their time on what really matters. And yes, you want people to comprehend and retain. But again, those focused conversations, to me, helps the individual understand the information, the material a little bit more, and then you can focus on using the artificial intelligence for quizzes and tests and, you know, or maybe there could be a list of frequently asked questions where you ask a question and the computer system can kind of match it up and say, okay, they're really asking about this. Let me send them the canned response and then say, if you still have questions, here's the instructor's contact information. Let's set up a chat or you can email the instructor. So the other thing is grading, you know, because think about the, the traditional teacher where you now have to grade, you now have to manually take those grades, put them into some type of online portal to calculate your grades. Well, go back to what I was saying. If there's an online quiz, the, the, the artificial intelligence or the teacher bot grades it, automatically shifts that grade into the, to the gradebook. You've saved so much time for that instructor. So again, they can focus on the students. So I think those are just a couple of ways in which I see artificial intelligence enhancing the environment moving forward. Yeah,
0: and I actually, I actually can see that. When you were speaking, I was thinking about that because you know, in, and I was in the regular classroom. You know, we went from having 20 something students to by the time I left the regular classroom, it was up to like 33, 34. Um, so now you said on, online the numbers will increase, and and I think that's going to happen, it's going to happen, I think it's inevitable, honestly, it's going to happen, and you're going to have teachers that have to be highly effective, highly efficient to be able to use that technology, to use that artificial intelligence, to understand that software, and how to integrate it within their teaching, right, but then they might end up with a, a classroom of 100 students, Right. You know, but you have to learn how to engage them. That's where all this engagement is going to come into place. Understanding where to put in those quizzes, how to get those checkpoints, understanding how to use the systems on the back end. So say if they are giving them canned responses, you got to have your system to be able to go back and continue to engage them so that you don't lose them and move them along that learning continuum. So I truly believe that is where we're going. Um, this shift in COVID-19 and the way we're evolving with distance learning. What you just explained truly, 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 I believe is the way of the future. And I would tell educators listening, listen, look at some articles on artificial intelligence. Look at only all, the, all these um, online learning tips. You can um, under here, or you can email us at Tag and get this article. We'll post the article from Dr. Wyatt so you can read it. I believe it's important for teachers parents, everybody in education to really wrap their mind around where we're going. Mm -hmm. So we're like in this present space and we're shifting, we're evolving. And I think we cannot get stuck here. We have to become forward and proactive thinkers um, and think more of what you just spoke about, Mm -hmm. because that is where we're going. And that's the way that we're going to have to serve our communities um to move our students and teach our students and move them forward. So that's a really good conversation. That one actually should have its own podcast, honestly. Yeah. Well I'm happy to follow up. <laughs> we can have a follow-up conversation. For sure. That one deserves its own because that is going to prepare those that are ready to move forward to move forward. Mm-hmm. So with all of that being said, this has been so good what have you seen DTEch tag doing that is aligned with your efforts to promote equity in education
1: wow um i've been a part of DTEch and tag uh since the inception so i at one i'm just in awe of the passion that not only you have dr craig but also for the team of people that we've had working on these initiatives Um, I'm inspired (laughs) Uh, just to be you know to be in the number to be in the room to be around individuals who are so passionate about education and teacher efficacy and helping teachers be the best that they can be because it's a direct link between the teacher and the student and we just talked about that that connection is so powerful and even as we move into the online environment we want to make sure that connection is still a priority when it comes to education Every Student Succeeds Act. There has been a real push to make sure that people understand it. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit, but there have been people who I've talked to who still feel that the No Child Left Behind Act is still in place. And they didn't even realize that with a new administration, there's a new set of guidelines. They're not necessarily the same and they have dramatically different impacts. So just having someone with that knowledge who, can break it down and talk to someone at a level where they understand, they don't feel like they're demoralized for asking questions that may not, you know, uh, sound uh, pertinent, I think is really important. And I think that that's how I've helped deep tech is because many times I've been in the back of the room having a conversation with another parent and just saying, yeah, you know, well, this is my experience. And having that connection, I think is really important. So uh, I call it the groundswell. I think what, you know, we have all these documents, we have everything on the internet, but sometimes it goes back just to, to the one-on-one conversations, The opportunities in your community, in your backyard, in your neighborhood about the importance of education that really resonate. So you need to have people who understand, you know, the strategic thinking behind education in five, 10, 15 years, but you also have to have people who have experience and understand the realities of today. And that's where I see DREF and DTECH and TAG all working together to advance the the needle when it comes to moving education forward. Um, Understanding what these policies are, understanding the implications of these policies, and then also being advocates to say, this is how we can use these policies to shape the future of education. This is what I've seen from DTECH and TAG from day one. I'm so Proud that I could be a part of the number and be engaged in these efforts. And it's truly having an impact. I can say if I can, if I can give this example. um, uh, I met the superintendent of my child's school system through Tech TAG, Monica Goldston. And I would never have had that opportunity um, if I was just, and I'm going to use air quotes, your average parent. Now, obviously she's very busy, she's very engaged, but the point that I was able to speak to her, spoke to her for a couple of minutes, and then she even followed up with me afterwards in a conversation because I am a parent in one of her schools. She said she considers you know, me a resource. That is something that's game changing. And again, it goes back to the groundswell that we were talking about before, is that making these connections, having this network, having people understand on all levels that education affects all of us. You can look at the economy right now and you can see how there are so many people that are concerned about getting back to work because they may not have another stream of income. They may not have the educational means to shift and to move to another um, meaningful way of, of gaining an income. They can only do what they've known for 10, 15, 20 years. And so think about if everyone had an enhanced educational portfolio where they could do multiple things and bring in multiple streams of income, would the situation that we're seeing right now in the news be different? I don't have an answer for it, but it's something that I've been thinking about so many times that we need to equip people to have the educational means so they can shift, so they can follow their passion, So when there is a financial crisis, that they have the means to say, okay, I can survive, not just for a couple of weeks, but maybe for a a couple of months. And, you know, I think that those are some of the underlying issues that are in the news, and it all boils down to education.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is so good. And you said something that really resonated with me when you said, you know, us in This mindset with these streams of income and even how we educate, I think, and this is a little off topic, but this is what came to me when I was listening to you. Because what if we went into education with that type of mindset and early on in the educational career of the students, we help them to understand who they are, the gifts they have and how they can create streams of income, right? Mm -hmm. And then from there, we help them develop and equip that, and they start making streams of income early. Um, I talked to one of our our DTEC TAG teammates who's a teacher. She actually has her students doing a flat Mrs. Wilson, right? When I saw that, I called her immediately, and I was like, listen, these students can create books. They can publish books around flat Mrs. Wilson. There could be a full curriculum, so that would shift a, a student's mind early. Early grade level as to how they can capitalize on their their love for writing, their love for reading, their love for creativity, make it into a book, and then there's a stream of income once you publish the book, right? Right. So I like what you said about that, and I think that's a, a mindset that we all must uh, evolve to as we begin working with students in this age. Mm-hmm. because we're going to have to have them equipped to equipped to face any type of financial crisis Whoa. or it's going to further divide that gap mm-hmm. all the way around so really good and thank you so much for all of your your efforts your time with DTech TAG you have been here since the beginning
1: it, so it's, my, it's been my pleasure and I know I say this all the time but I think I've gotten more out of DTech and TAG <laughs> Uh, because you know just being in the room learning taking it in I think it's changed my perspective as well as an online um, instructor and I've actually used some of the tools in DTEC and TAG in my online environment um, with other professors in again the research, artificial intelligence in the classroom I think I in a lot of ways I was inspired by D-Tech and TAG to move in this direction and now with COVID-19 this is this is the new reality
0: Yes, it is the new reality. So that since we kicked off last year, um this has these these conversations have been great on this podcast and I really thank you for your time today, your expertise. You know because you bring a varied um lens to the table because you serve in so many different roles and you're so involved in um the community and your children and education like the meteorology stuff. We didn't even talk about that. Yeah. You know what you do with that. You so I I really appreciate your lens. And I think we definitely should um, come back and and further some of these topics because our community needs this right now. Mm -hmm. They need to hear these perspectives. And our children need to even see, you know, I would love for our children to see you talk, to see this African-American woman doing this, 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 this. And she's a mommy. She has a daughter and a son. I think that would inspire so many because there's so many stereotypical Um, Lens that you know, we're seeing from as african-american women. So you break a lot of those stereotypical um, Lens and I really love that about you and I love the perspective you bring and your drive Like I sometimes I see you moving and what you're doing. It's like where does she get the time the hours and the energy to do that? So I I really appreciate your, your leading in that regard because you're not just leading in your home in your field, you're leading the masses because people are watching. So I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do for, your, um, for being so dedicated to education and to being so dedicated to moving people forward and for this particular conversation.
1: Oh, you are welcome. And again, thank you for your leadership because again, Um, You know, DREF made the right choice, the best choice, the only choice, I mean, with you as the the national program director, I mean, so many things have have evolved under your leadership. So, and as you can see, just from from right behind you, it is a heart-to-heart matter. You know, having someone who has that passion, they put words and action together, you know, and, and we see that in you and we see that in the program. So, thank you so much for just letting me be a part of this initiative. Absolutely. So, as
0: we close, since we kicked off last year, we've touched on advocacy and action, teacher mm-hmm. efficacy through educational endeavors and literacy acquisition, special education and mentorship, to name a few. In our last episode, we talked about technology, which was really good. Uh, for more discussions like this, you can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. While you're listening, leave us some feedback, engage with us on our social media channels, at DTECH Change Agent on Twitter, at DTECH underscore change underscore agent on Instagram, and DTECH-Change Agent on Facebook. Dr. Wyatt, can you share how other educators can access your resources and stay connected to you?
1: Um, Sure, so if you're interested in just learning more about artificial intelligence, um, I know we always say Google is our friend, but (laughs) I would, highly 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 suggest educators look at the blog it's called online learning tips plural some of my articles are there but it's also uh, online learning tips and just from different perspectives people in different um, areas of expertise and they're short articles and i say that because you know sometimes my time is limited i may not have time to read a 15 page research article but I can read, you know, a two page blog that gives me the nuts and bolts. So I really encourage people to use online learning to just to learn about more ways to enhance the online learning environment. Um, and then also when it comes to education, there are so many free resources <laughs> for um, for education. Um, I'm going to give a shameless plug to my um, sister Kimberly Boyd. She is a librarian in the DC public school system. And she has a daily blog where she reads a book um, to um, those who are participating um, in her blog. And then she also includes resources. So it could be resources, like I said, the the, um, zoo feeding or learning about planetary um, astrophysics. I mean, there's quite the range, but I would um, Google her blog. Her, her, um, Her blog is The Audacious Librarian. Um, so I think those are two resources that your listeners could probably um, really benefit from. Um, and like I said, there are so many online resources. I mean, it, it's, it's no reason why um, we can't take advantage of them, especially now that, that so many of them are free. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah, that's true.
0: That's good. So, all right, thank you everyone for tuning in today. Catch us on our next episode and look at our social media feeds to catch some of these blogs and resources talked about today.